Welcome to the She's Electric podcast. I'm Pia, a passionate food consultant who is learning how to build my business while raising my young family. And I'm Kaya, dedicated business coach and enthusiastic yogi. It's our mission to help working mothers redefine the way they work and reimagine what is possible. We aim to be raw and real about the challenges and highlights we experience on our journeys of motherhood, business and life and hope that by sharing what we've learned, we can help you too. So Pia, welcome to our podcast. We've made it. We, <laughs> I can't believe something that we spent so long talking about is actually happening. So what about you just like sharing your version of how we got here? Interesting question. So you and I met because you actually had the drive or the gumption or whatever to reach out to me because we were both doing certified business coach and I had asked <laughs> I remember I had asked some question or I, I no I hadn't asked a question in one of the classes I had shared some epiphany that I'd had that I thought I had to practice coaching in all these pods for so long and what I realized was that actually just getting out and starting to have conversations with people about topics that I was really interested in was the best way for me to practice coaching. So I wasn't actually doing it with any potential client. I wasn't getting myself out there all the time. I was always doing it in these really, really clinical pods with people talking about topics that I had no interest in. So I shared this whole epiphany on the CBC class. And then you just reached out to me and said, Pia, um, I just think that you and I will just get on really, really well. And I just feel drawn to, to contact you. And then we both found out that we have sons who are born on the exact same day. We were both in labor at the exact same time, which was really cool. Um, and then we just formed a friendship, which has been so much over, over voice notes of all these things that we're starting to learn as we're growing our businesses, because we're both in different stages in our business. And for me, the most incredible thing has been having someone to soundboard these ideas off and being like, you know, I'm on my period this week. My energy is really, really bad. I'm not doing all the things that I set out to do. I'm just not doing them. And you, having someone to be like, that's okay. You're in this phase of your cycle. Just lean into it. Do other things. What, you know, do stuff that makes you feel good. And just having that has, it's it's kind of felt like having a colleague in the nicest possible way. Like without any of the politics, because we both got our own businesses. Um, So I think it was from the voice notes <laughs> and going back and forth and us going, oh, and it was, I have been reading so many biz books and they're all from the perspective of men, you know, these like business leaders who've done incredible things. But when you hear their story, it's like, it's just something that it, I, it's not relatable to me because they don't have all these pressures. They don't have young children that they're the primary care for. They don't have, and I'm just not hearing these voices, especially in the UK and Ireland, I'm not hearing business voices from women, from female entrepreneurs. So basically it was a case of our voice notes on our phones. We were like, this is pure gold. <laughs> or we're like, this might be complete drivel. But if it helps other women as much as it's helped me, the things that we've shared, then I think it's worth it. Yeah, it's so interesting. As I was listening to you like recounting um, our getting to know each other, yeah. what I was thinking is that I, I'm just so happy that I actually did something that felt a bit uncomfortable, mm. which was like reach out to somebody that I didn't know and say like, will you be my friend? I know. And obviously, you know, it wasn't as clear as that, but that's effectively kind of what it was. Kind of what happened. Yeah. And I think that what is really interesting is that as we are like when you're when you're younger, you are in environments where you kind of naturally make friends all the time in the school system. And even when you're in work, there's a little bit more opportunity for that if you do grad schemes, stuff like that. But as you get a bit older, apart from like in mum environments, yeah. there isn't that much opportunity to make friends. And what I've realized is that actually to meet people that you really connect with doesn't happen that often and so when there is when you do see somebody and it's a hell yes mm. then it is good to put yourself out there because if I think that happened probably seven or eight months ago right maybe yeah. even less 
And it's like, fast forward now. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I've probably spoken to you more than I've spoken to my yeah. husband in a day. Crazy, and it? like, this is quite weird right now because I can see your face. I know. <laughs> We're always going over voice notes. Right. kind of nice, actually. It is. It's so like, I think that what is what's happened for both of us, like don't want to put words in your mouth, is that like when you find a relationship that is a perfect fit for you at this moment, Mm -hmm. that is a really like precious thing. And I think, as you said, like we do have children the same age. That's a common point for sure. But at the same time, like it's actually what's the more exciting part for me is that you are growing your own business. You're hustling. You're having the same kind of ups and downs that come with that with working on your own, the same highs that come from like being in control and creating this thing that's yours. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think being able to communicate in a format that really works, which is basically voice notes and Mm. talking about things that, you know, maybe other people don't want to hear about all the time. um, One of the things that actually comes to mind that has been really refreshing and I love about like our relationship is being able to talk so directly about money. Yeah. feel like it's so weird that that's such a taboo subject among friends really. And like yeah. among other people, it feels like when you're at work, it's kind of a bit of a weird thing to ask somebody how much money you earn and stuff like that. But actually when you're kind of like business owner to business owner, talking about those nitty gritty details of what you're charging, what you're making on particular things is so useful. Yeah. It, oh my God. It really, really is. And it's, that's the thing about our relationship that has been a lifeline for me, that it's given me this whole outlet that I have never had before. And because you have your, your friends and you make them during a time, just like you said, during those years of your life where you're you've got structured play environments or structured fun. And that's how you, you know, you you meet these people in school or you meet them in university. But then your lives all go different ways and your careers go down different paths. So, you know none of my friends are entrepreneurs. None of them are going through the journey that I'm going through. So there's this whole area that I couldn't talk to them about these things. And then it's just, you perfectly slotted into this. And it was, I didn't realize how much I needed this sounding board until it came into my life. And those conversations about money, they are so taboo. And you don't, it's like, you you, you don't know whether you're earning more or you're earning less and you don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. Or you don't want to show that you're like me for so many years, earning less than minimum wage when I set up my business. But it's it's actually so powerful when you share these things. And I remember I had a colleague and she was a friend from college. So we had a much closer relationship. And she said to me, she came into me one day and said, how much do you earn? And I was like, whoa, it was like such a direct question. And I just I told her I was like, why not? Like, so I told her. And she was like, thank you so much for telling me because I have no idea what anyone in here, because I was working on the sales team and she was working in marketing. And she's like, I have no idea what anyone in here is earning and I don't know whether I'm being paid properly or not. Now, she was being massively underpaid. So she took that information and she went into our boss and said, I know that Pia, she's looking after the German market, she's in sales, I understand all that, but I should be she's earning this and I'm earning this and we should be somewhat closer given that we both have the same degree, the same masters. We, you know, we have the same education. Um, and she got the, the, she got the raise because of that information. And she came back to me after and she said, I hope you don't mind that I use that information. I said, no, there's nothing he can say to me for sharing this information. It's not illegal or it's not against company policy. Absolutely. And it's so crazy. Like I'm reading this really good book at the moment. Um, and actually I've read it before I'm rereading it it's Morgan Housel the psychology of money and oh you're reading that yeah I've it, seen it all it's just been popping up all over my my like Instagram feed all, all these all the coaches and things I follow are like you have to read this book you have to read this book. oh right that's weird because like I I read it a while ago and like mm. I what I like about the book is that it's not like one big novel about one thing he yeah. basically is like, you know, this is a series of essays on different topics about money. Yeah. Um, so you can kind of read the chapters um, as individual pieces. Um, and I like that because you know what it's like with some books. I listened to this brilliant uh, interview with James Clear of Atomic Habits. And he mm. was actually saying how like one of his goals with his book was to create a short book because so many books are way too long. Like they're just waffling on for pages and totally. pages about 
a concept that they could have, you know, summarized more. Yeah. Exactly. So like yeah. this book is great because he really hits zones in on a topic, um, but in kind of a concise way. Um, anyway, so I was, I was reading a chapter this morning and the thing that he was talking about was enough is the opposite of too little. Mm. Enough is the opposite of too little. Oh yeah. So when you have enough, it's like, it's just right. Is that what, what he was saying is that like some people, they they find it really difficult to talk about what, sorry, they, they, we're always thinking like we need to do more. Lots of my clients that I talk to, they're always kind of searching around for this, like, I've got to do more. I've got to uh, be more. I've got to earn more. And actually it's like, it's an art to know like when enough is enough. Mm-hmm. And what he's saying is that enough is when it's not too little. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so crazy because it's like, it sounds so simple, but actually when I was thinking about it, I was like, it's so profound. And the other thing that I like struck me from thinking about that bit of information along with something else that I had read recently, which is that like food and money affect Mm. everybody. Sorry, not food, health and money affect Mm. everybody. Yeah. Don't ignore either of them. And this is like, tying into the point that you're making about salary it's like people put their heads in their hand it their head in the sand about particular issues and one of them is money so whether it's like having uncomfortable conversations with people at work whether it's like thinking about even for themselves like what is my financial goal like how much money do I actually want to earn and you know rather than just thinking it's more it's more it's you know like what's enough but this topic of money the fact that like it's so taboo for us to talk about it is ridiculous yeah, yeah. it's crazy especially, especially for women you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it disempowers people by making it taboo think of any subject throughout history that has been taboo it's just taken power away from people so actually being able to talk freely about money and that idea of having enough that really hit home for me this month when I got to a point in my in my client work where I was like I've earned enough this month you know, and I, I, it was just great that I did my invoicing early. I never do my invoicing early, but I was like, no, I have some time now, so I'm going to do it. And then when I tied it all up, I was like, I don't need to work the rest of the month. And I took some time off and it was the most freeing thing. And it's, I grew up in a household and I think a lot of us grew up in a household where it was like next horizon, like we'll be proud of you when, you know, when you get your, this exam, when you get this, when you get straight A's, when you get this. And it was always, look, as soon as you reached a t- target, it was like, okay, what's the next one? What's the next one? And I, I've definitely seen that with, with my parents when their business took off the, and they've gone through it. They've gone through, you know, the depression of the 80s. They've gone through bankruptcy. They've gone through highs and massive highs and lows and everything. Even when they were earning at the height of their business, it wasn't enough. It, like it just it was there was always more that could be done. And it's I think a lot of people, you're right. They don't define how much money do I need to be happy? How much money do I need? Not even to be happy because money makes things easier, but it doesn't make you happy. But how much money do I need need to be comfortable and be able to do the things that I want to do? And when you do that and you actually map out that, you do that exercise, you realize you actually don't need a huge amount. It's not massive what you need. And it's totally not unattainable what you need to earn in order to have everything that you need, enough to save and enough to do the experiences that you want to do. What I love about this story is the fact that I remember when you sent me that voice note like mm. about a week ago saying, mm. oh my God, I've just done my invoices and I've hit like, and the amount of money that you told me, I was just like fucking whooping for you. It was so exciting to hear you say that. And also for you to just say like, I've hit my target. Yeah. And so because of that, like, I am going to do what what I want to do, which is the whole reason I'm my boss, is so that I can make these decisions. Yeah, yeah. And that is like, I can take the rest of the month off. I can live. I can yeah. be in this like life that I've created, which is about hitting my targets at work, but also like knowing when enough is enough. And the thing is, is that if you hadn't set that target to know that that is the enough point for you, mm-hmm. Then it's like, then you're back at work. Just, you know, like there's no celebration for hitting that target. It's just like, that's the, and what? So, you know, like you're describing that situation happening. And then when you start talking about your parents, it's like, that was the 
those were the lessons that brought me to the point of being able to celebrate. Mm. Oh, completely. And it's just because I've always worked in sales, like so much of my career has been in sales. And when you hit your target, your boss never said, sit tight there now. (laughs) We'll take a holiday. (laughs) It was always like, oh, great. So now you can do 120%. Now you can do 140%. Oh, you can go after this. It was like, it was this constant hamster wheel that just never, ever stopped. So the fact that I was able to stop the hamster wheel and go, I don't need to work was really, really cool. I also find it interesting though, that we're not even like, I feel uncomfortable mentioning the figure that for me was enough because money is such a taboo subject. Well, it's only episode one. Don't you worry. <laughs> We've got, <laughs> We've got <laughs> loads of episodes to get uncomfortable. <laughs> We've got plenty of time to get into the nitty gritty. And I actually think that we will, because I think it's something that is what I want to do through this podcast is share that like, this is an opportunity for people who want to join us to really be on the whole journey. You know, I'm starting from scratch and I am really on the hustle building this from the ground up and you are a few years in and you are a kind of a place that for me feels absolutely like exciting, inspiring, and I can't wait to get there. And so like, whilst I know that we're talking about this beautiful moment that you had last week celebrating, I also know that in in the next couple of months, we are going to be talking about the other side of that, which is, you know, and now what? Totally. Exactly. And it's because that really, um, it it struck me. I was at a client meeting this week and they were talking about us working for the entire year together. And they're like, okay, so we have until December. And it was at that point, I was like, I'm not going to mention I'm pregnant because it's just, and I thought about it before I went into the meeting, I was like, what is with this thing that women, they hide onto the fact that they're pregnant. And that is really ingrained into me from years working in the meat industry, where it's like, when you mention you're pregnant in the meat industry, you are irrelevant. It's like, okay, she's going to go off and have babies and she'll be gone for a year. And do you know, um, and I had a business partner as well at one point, And I was, I kind of said to him, I am, we are planning a baby. And, and it was a problem, you know, it, it was, and we talked about it. And then when it did happen, he was fine. But it, initially there was that like, I don't want to get, I'm getting into business with someone who's going to have a baby. And it's like, well, yeah. So I've always like, had yeah. this thing. Yeah. It's like, so that's how you were born. I'm excited to get into business with anyone who's got children because I think, yeah. shit, you guys are like going to be so efficient and you are going to be able to get stuff done okay. because you learn, you learn those skills. But um, how is your pregnancy going and when is the baby due? So that was the thing in the meeting. They were like, let's work. You know, we have until the end of de- or t- until December. And I was like, in my head, I was like, we have until October. <laughs> so baby's <laughs> due October 26th. Um, now I haven't even had my first. No, I had one scan. So it's still early days. I'm only 11 weeks. Um, I am feeling like crap. Yeah, I'm still at that lovely. I want to just put my head in the toilet face. <laughs> um, so that has been really, it's actually been really interesting because the first time I got pregnant was during COVID lockdowns. So I was flat out on napping all day and like taking it easy. My business was in the toilet. It wasn't working at all. And I was able to just do nothing and sl- and sleep, you know, whenever I was tired. Whereas this time it's been really, really go, 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 go. And um, when I was down with this, I was down at a factory visit and typical men. So we were in this meeting and it was supposed to be only two hours, but we were getting on so well, it went on for five hours. So the, you know, no one thought to order in sandwiches or do anything. And so I went five hours without eating, which at this stage in your pregnancy, like, you know, it's like, I was so lightheaded. And then I was like, I just tell them. But then, so me and my husband had this, or Stephen and I had this chat about, we have no problem telling people early, but it's the people that you would want to tell if you had a miscarriage, you know? So anyone, like I told you so early on, it's like, if I had a miscarriage, I'd want you to know. And I, you know, you'd be there for me. I don't want to have that conversation with a brand new client, you know? So that's why I decided not to, but um, yeah. So we were doing a factory tour and I was like, I think I'm going to faint. Like I was so, so lightheaded. It was crazy. And look, I, he, we were doing like a whistle stop tour and then he was like, okay, 10, 10 minutes. And he's like, we have to have you in the car because then you'll miss the traffic. So I knew it was 10 minutes away. But like the moment I got into the car, I, like I had these crackers and I was just like, Aah. 
but it's just <laughs> something that like this is something that men don't have to deal with in the like balancing this huge thing which is pregnancy it takes a huge toll on your body and then the working world so I just found that really really interesting and what about like psychologically so I understand that that's like the physical side of things what's different mm. this time like psychologically oh my god well you know so we obviously have been trying this is baby number two um it took us nearly a year the first time so in my head I was thinking it's going to take 10 months at least and it took two so super lucky like absolutely so grateful but when I saw the pregnancy test I was actually shocked at how much it made my head spin you know and I, I like and Stephen was like, yay, you know, we're having a baby. And I was like, yay. And then I was like, shit, my business. <laughs> and I felt like such a terrible mother because I was like, what about my other baby, the business? And I was like, oh, my God, I've got like eight months to do all this stuff. And like, so I spent a few days in a total, like, I didn't want to tell anyone. I was still trying to get it organized in my head as to what this means. And then so I went from from that to being like, OK, I'm going to go, 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 go. I started reaching out to all these clients to try and get projects started so that I could get them wrapped up. And I went into this like overwork mode. And then it took me a bit of time and it was from talking to you that it was like, no, you need to change the pace now. Like the baby has dictated that. So it's not about getting as much done as you possibly can within this time. It's like changing the entire flow so that you're you're working in a way that that works with your pregnancy. And it's like, like let's I'm gonna take six months off it's all gonna be here when I come back so I actually think initially it felt like the world was ending which is a terrible thing to say like isn't that terrible it's why is it terrible like isn't it it's terrible to not to feel like you can't say how you actually felt and that is you know like your reaction is probably how a lot of people feel right yeah because we live in a society that segregates these things you know and it's like when pe- when you say you're going on maternity leave, it's like it's like you're you're going out of the system, you know. <laughs> it's so weird. So that's why I had that reaction. But over time, what I've noticed in the last few weeks, it's been the best ever thing that could have happened because I've really I've slowed down my business. I'm now starting to focus on things that will bring in passive income because I need to have that passive income coming in while I'm on maternity leave. So actually. I've slowed down a bit of the client work, like my neck, my whole month, I won't be billing much for client work, but I'm going to focus on building up the passive income, which is what I, I, I sell products and I get margin on the product coming in. So every time the product is sold, I get margin on that. So I'm going to be developing that up um, because it's, that's going to help pay me, you know, while I'm on maternity leave. And it's, I've listened to a few female entrepreneurs and they have built these incredible businesses where, you know, that woman who was working 16 hours a week and that's all she's ever done. And Jenna Kutcher said to her, you know, how did you cultivate that? And she said, I did, I cultivated it out of necessity because 16 hours was the max amount of childcare that I could afford. But she said at, over time when it wasn't, you know, I could afford more childcare. She's like, why, why would I work more than 16 hours? You know, I can actually enjoy my life. I can spend time with my family. So I think sometimes these things happen and you can either fight against them or you can you can go, OK, so how can I work around this so that it fits into my life rather than being at odds with my life? That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, as you're speaking, I'm remembering this crazy thing that you said to me. You're like, God, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just so tired at the moment. I'm just exhausted all the time. And I was like, uh, maybe what's wrong with you is you're pregnant. <laughs> And you were like, oh, my God, I hadn't even thought about it. And I was, was like, crazy. this is blowing my mind. It was like I was berating myself. I, don't, I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. You were like, uh, babe, you're pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah, it's it's been a really, really interesting journey. Um, I, I feel like I've gone through so many lessons in the last, what am I at now, 11 weeks, and you know, in the last, t- you know, nine weeks. Um, but it's really... I feel in a much calmer space and I'm not in that masculine energy of like hustle, 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 grow the business, get more sales, do all this. You know, I'm I'm in a like, okay, Easy how can grow. I reinvent how I work so that this fits? Yes, I love it. And you know what? It's one of the things that I uh, that you said to me last week really stuck in my head, um, mm. which was that 
one of the best things about working for yourself is that you're output focused. Like yeah. our businesses are output focused. They're not about how many hours that we're, we're going to be at the computer. And it sounds really obvious, but it's been really interesting for me because one of the things, as you know, I love is planning. Yes, you are an incredible planner. I love my weekly plan and I find it so useful. And I think in the last month, I've been super, super focused on just reducing the amount of time I'm faffing around and making yeah. decisions and just going to my plan and being like, work through every item. It's like, don't have a preference over like whether you want to do an item or not. It's just like, what's the next thing on the list? What fits in here to get mm. done? And what's been happening is I've been getting loads of shit done. Okay. And it's been creating this place of discomfort, right? Yeah. Because it's like, I've done all I set out to do this week. So you're, when you gave yourself permission to take kind of the, the, the end of last month off, it's because you yeah. hit your goals financially, right? Yeah. So for me, it's like I'm at a bit of an earlier stage of my business and worrying about things I can't control at the moment, like, like turnover. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, that is a, that's not a good place for me to focus. So actually, like when you said that thing to me about being output focused, I'm like, you know that I have kind of this plan of all mm. of my different, my main areas of focus. And I've set in every single one of those my minimum, my target, and my outrageous. Right. Standing. Yes. It got to like, yesterday and I looked at my plan and I was like okay I've got one meeting tomorrow morning which I'm going to be working on like one item that's remaining but I was like I've hit target all outrageous in every single category wow I've done everything on my plan for this week and that's so, so cool. today like I a week or so ago like me and my husband we share looking after our son Luca so we don't have any regular um, childcare mm. and like a week or so ago I asked my mum if she could have Luca which is I, I mean I, I very rarely do today mm. and she, she had plans with her friend but she sent me a message late last night and said our friends have cancelled like we'd love to have him Ooh, if, meant to be if, cool. you, if you still want and so I said I, I was like brilliant that sounds great and today you know it was kind of there was a part of there was like a voice in my head saying you should be working like you could smash yeah. four hours today yeah do you know what I've done today nothing I've had like took my son to my parents I came home I bought myself a croissant I yeah. went to this gourmet supermarket like near my house I nice. bought like luxury smoked salmon this like outrageously expensive bread just some delight- my dream delightful things because I was leaning into what are mm. the small things like spending this amount of money is going to make me feel like a millionaire yeah and like, I'm going to feel abundant in my mm. life just by spending you know this what feels almost uncomfortable and outrageous but mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things you know you spend that money on random stuff all the time you know you spending need, 20 quid is yeah. not a big deal yeah um, and I've been lolling around like reading and went for a walk Amazing. with my husband. We had this like leisurely brunch together. Mm. It it's it's been like amazing. Not gonna lie. And I'm so glad that you stuck to that instead of jumping back on the hamster wheel because this has always been my problem with the eight hour working day. It just doesn't make any sense. It's like come in, sit at this desk in this sterile environment for eight hours. Go out for an hour and get your lunch, whatever. And give me, a, you know, be productive. It's like that is where productivity goes to die. And it's actually when you like it's it, the human brain is not meant to focus on the one thing for eight hours. It's just not how we're built. So it's having that kind of flow of different things that keep you interested. It's so important. And those that day of downtime for you is actually going to make you so much more productive next week. Literally, I have been zinging ideas all morning and it just felt very luxurious to not I don't wouldn't I think frivolous is the wrong word but to treat myself and also take advantage of why I work for myself right now um which is about that output it's not like Mm -hmm. you work for yourself so you can you know do what you want all the time it's not about that it's like 
I am at my desk working every day mm-hmm. and yes. working really hard to get the things that I know I need to get done to grow my yes. business. But it's that celebration part again, you know? Yeah, completely. And it's back to your point about what's enough. So you set out your targets and you hit your, not your minimum, you hit your outstanding. And that was enough. Yeah. I, I just think that is, it's, it's really healthy behavior and it's, it's great behavior to model. But I'm interested to know, is that something you would, if, if your business grows the way that you want it to, and say you end up hiring people, would that behavior filter across into how you manage people? Yeah, I think it's so funny that you just said that because what I was thinking as you were speaking before was that this is the this is the new model like of what business has got to move to, which is that it's output focused. Like nobody wants to be controlled and it is not motivating. And actually what you care about in your business in any business is output. Yeah. Ours is like it's arbitrary. It's irrelevant. Completely. And it's, it's about like, control. That that it, That is the old power model, which is like, I own you, I pay you. So I own you for these eight hours every day. And this is written into your contract. And this is when you show up. And it's like, it, it just, I, and I used to say it about my bosses. It's like, you're letting a clock manage people instead of it. Like, I, I just find it a very lazy form of management or leadership. It's not leadership, but management that it's like, you should actually we should be building a plan together and mapping out the outputs. And then it should just be down to me as to how I achieve those. You shouldn't just be, you know, saying you need to be in here between eight and five. You know, <laughs> it's so ridiculous, but that's how we've done it. But it completely, I mean, that's, that is the new model and people, people just don't want to work in that old way because it's not just that worked during the industrial age, it, you know, when you were, say, in factory, factory work and you had to have so many outputs within, you know, the eight hours. But now it's mainly knowledge-based work. So much of the work is knowledge-based work. And it's actually counterproductive to work in that way because you can't be infinitely creative for that long. And then you go, I, I remember when I worked in industry that you would, you, you'd be sitting in traffic and it would be so stressful and you get into work and you're straight into this like onslaught of emails you know problems and all this stuff because I always check emails first which they've proven is like the worst thing you can do and then you're just going in and it's like I used to say it to my to Stephen that like I feel like I'm like this all day you know just keeping my head above water and then you'd go I would go for maybe a run during my lunch break or just to get out I'd walk around in this park and then I'd be you know working and then I'd be leaving at whatever time at, at half five six and then I'd be in traffic again and then it was like gobble your dinner down watch tv because you're so exhausted and then to bed and then it was like you know the hamster wheel again again. it's the dream it's the I loved my life and it's like it's so funny because I was in that time I wasn't being productive I wasn't happy I wasn't getting the outputs that the company deserved to get so the entire system was just counterproductive. So as you're thinking about bringing people on, well, not thinking about it, as you are about to bring yeah. your first employees on board, like how are you going about setting up those arrangements and relationships? So my what I've gone with the softly, softly model of bringing in outsource partners um, rather than full blown employees I haven't had the bravery to do that yet because of the maternity leave and it's like I need to make sure that I'm earning enough money so that I can pay these people but so what I've done is I brought on a there's so much admin in my business that I brought on a bookkeeper and can I just ask you a quick question like yeah because you said outsourced partner yeah so is it are you calling them a partner I'm calling them a partner yeah because that's what they feel like you know and we were in, I was in the meeting with the bookkeeper yesterday and she said, oh, I don't know how much access you want to give me. You can maybe give me partial access. And I was like, Laura, no, I'm giving you full access. Like you, you can see anything in my accounts, anything that, you know, just take full access. So I do, I really, really view anyone who I bring into my business as partners. And these these women, it's two women and they're both freelance and they're both entrepreneurs in their own right. And, and, what I learned from that meeting yesterday with the bookkeeper is this is her bread and butter. This is what she knows. She does this stuff and she enjoys doing it. So she's taken all this work off my plate that I hate doing. And I'm giving her employment. You know, she's got a new client. She's 
delighted and I'm delighted. So it's like, that's what creates this economy is like when you actually start to outsource these things. And for years, like this is a very, very new learning for me. For years, I just did everything. I held on to everything. I was like, I have to have control. I have to. But it's like, I actually, I don't even want control over these tasks because they're so boring to me. Um, And I am starting with another woman in the middle of this month. And she's coming in. She has she set up her own food business and she is coming in to help me with client work. So I see her as a partner. I don't believe that you should hold on to information. I actually think knowledge is there to be shared. And that was my first boss was incredible. And he shared all these things about selling with me, about that, you know, you don't you don't just go in and start talking about your product. You find out what their problems are. You know, and he said, we're the problem solvers. And I like used to take all these notes. And then I, I emailed him one day and I said, Jim, do you mind if I sh- I had written all your notes into this kind of learning? Um, do you mind if I share it with my classmates? Because I was doing my master's at the time. And he said, he said, that's your knowledge. That's not my knowledge anymore. That's that's for you to do with what you want with. And that was such a profound learning at that time. I was like, he's not being secretive or it's like that's my that's my information I don't want her sharing my company secrets I just thought it was such a beautiful way of saying it. it's like that's not my knowledge anymore that's yours so my objective with Fiona is to share it as much as I can and to teach her as much as I can because the way that I look at it what I bring to the table is always going to be my it, it, it you know I bring a certain flavor that is just inherently me but the more that I can teach someone what I know the more that I, you know, we can spread this good message and I'm trying to do all these positive things within the food industry and make, you know, get producers making healthier food using better ingredients. So it's like, if there's two of me, that's better. If there's four of me, if, you know, then that's a a net positive outcome. So that's kind of my whole thing is that I want to be as open and as, and share as much as I can, not hold on to any knowledge. And hopefully that will, and also, I just know I'm going to learn a huge amount from her because she she has had a journey that's so different to mine. So I'm just going to go all in. Cards on the table. It's so exciting to hear you talking about this, especially the, well, not that I'm not excited for like your client support, but like the bookkeeper I love because this is something mm. I haven't heard about at all. Amazing. And I think that one, it's really, really cool that you need that level of support now. But you don't mm. have to do it all yourself. And two, that this is such a good example of what a great investment to buy in that expertise. Yeah, completely. And when you actually look at it and you go out and you price it, it's not that expensive. You know, it's like I'm spending a few days every month um, doing like tracking my expenses, getting them all and, and doing my VAT return at the end of the month. And she will do all of this for me and she will manage my expenses as they go and she'll log into my system and she'll see everything and she'll keep track of all my bills coming in and it's just like and for her it's only going to take a day like she's only charging me a day a month for this work you know it's it's absolutely incredible and it just it's just going to make me so much more efficient in all the other things I can do and now I can focus on work that I can actually bill for whereas I can never bill for this work you know you can't bill a client for you doing your own invoicing totally and it what's what's I mean, the thing that's cool about this is that when you hand over something that you've been doing, mm. you are in a really, you're in like a, an informed position to make a judgment call about the value of that investment. So because you've been doing this work yourself, mm. you know, rather than ask, like she's told you, this is how long it's going to take me and mm. this is what the price is. And yeah. so you're already like, well, you're dub- you're doing it twice as fast as I was doing it. Totally. And like, I'm happy to pay this price. But it's interesting because I think like what I see um what I see around with some of the people that we we know from the uh business accelerator that we are both doing together mm-hmm. is that there are also people who are making investments or thinking about making investments in things without having done that task themselves and yeah. without really understanding what that task is worth. Yeah. You know? So like you can see there is a lot, there are a lot of services that are being sold to entrepreneurs all the time, business owners, um, that are it's difficult to understand the value of them in a positive mm-hmm. and a negative way without doing the work, at least, you know, at the beginning yourself. I totally agree. 
Uh, I've never thought of it like that, but so many of the clients that I work with because they are food manufacturers, you know, all of a sudden they get to a certain size and they're like, oh, we have to market. So then they're, and they all, they all do this. We'll just hire in some college grad and they get in some 21 year old and they give them this really important job, you know, which is their marketing and their digital marketing. They're like, oh, they're young. So they understand, mar- you know, they understand digital marketing and social media. And actually it's too much responsibility like these people need to be trained and they need to they they need to be developed and and you know kind of be nurtured under the the arms of someone who really understands this stuff and that's how you get the most out of them um and these companies have no clue because they've never actually done the marketing themselves they've never done so they've never even done a social media post or they've never done any of it so I think you're absolutely right and I've never thought of it like that it's and I say it to my clients who work when I deal with restaurant chains it's like the best uh, restaurants that I see are ones where the the general managers are people who were pot washers. You know, they worked from the ground up and they've come through because, and they were promoted because they had the right attitude, you know, not because they came in with the fancy managerial degree or they have loads and years of experience. It's like you learn as you go and it's, you're better off hiring people who have the right attitude or promoting people who have the right attitude rather than getting in the fancy the fancy experience totally and actually if you don't have a baseline to start with you can't really understand what something's worth so I think that you know what you're talking about their marketing is such mm-hmm. a typical thing that people in their businesses buy support with yeah. and it's it is such an important part of your business and like it's it's whatever your business is it, it's something that you whatever business you're in you've got to do and yeah you you've got to get fully involved in it even if you're going to pay people to execute parts of it yeah you really need to like you don't want to let that run away and be somebody else's creation you want them to be you know interpret it the interpreter of your story of like your business story your business offering um and I think that that's that one of the things that I've found amazing and really challenging about starting my own business is Mm. that I'm starting from zero in so many things yeah one of those things for me is marketing and sales and so you know like that's your bread and butter you've got a background in it and it's so useful for me to talk to you about it um but it's different you know like at this age after having you know a 10-year career in corporate and Mm -hmm. being at a particular level and having a you know a degree of success to go back to zero in something humbling it's it's a hard lesson to learn because it's it's quite humbling but frustrating to be really bad at something but it's a it's like the lesson is that of course you're going to be bad at it because you just started just started exactly we don't start out good at these things right and like it's cool to see sometimes I actually just revamped god it's so it's so tedious how frequently we revamp these like small parts of our business yeah like the copy on our website or our LinkedIn profile or our social media bio but I just gave mine a bit of a zhuzh up and it was a real simplification. And I just realized, I was like, God, this is another iteration of you've just learned a little bit more, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's like still very basic, but you have learned a little bit more. And that's, I, and this is coming from someone who hasn't touched their website in three years and my service has totally changed. So it's ridiculous, but it's, you start to learn more about yourself and the service that you're offering to clients as you do. You don't, and you know, I wrote that website before I'd even done anything with a client. And I, you know, did the copy when I actually didn't know what it was like to work with a client. And now it's like, I'm so much better informed as to how I work, you know, how I would describe my services. So that's something that you are going to continue. Um, You're going to continue to iterate that all the time. And that's a good thing. Unless you're me, and then you'll just leave it sit there for three years. <laughs> <laughs> so we're coming up to the end of the hour. It's coming up to the end of the hour. I know. That's absolutely incredible. It has flown by. So why don't we end by you telling me what was your biggest, like, breakthrough this week? What was your high? What was your low? And what was your biggest learning? Oh, great question. Okay. What was my biggest breakthrough? Oh, okay. So my biggest breakthrough came from my biggest high, which is I met a new client and I, they like, oh, 
God, you know, when you walk into a place and you just get this good vibe, it was like there was quality awards everywhere for their food. They had all these, you know, charters on the wall about talking about their employees and how much they value them and they encourage their development and reward their productivity. And when, you know, I went into the factory, they all, all the staff were like, hi, and like looking you in the eye, which is so rare in, in food production. Like you have no idea. And I just was like, the place oozed quality. And then when I went in and I met with the two founders, it was, it was supposed to be a two hour meeting. It turned into a five hour meeting. We just literally, they see the world, they see the food industry in the exact same way. They know that it's like, there's a huge responsibility on food producers shoulders because you can make stuff that is crap and cheap and will sell, or you can make something that is good and it's a bit more expensive, but it's got the right ingredients. And like, that's a hard decision to make. So we, we, we were completely aligned on that. So I just can't like, you know, like what Fran says, it just felt really yummy. The whole meeting just felt amazing. And I was like, I can't wait to get working with this person. Yeah. And so my break, it was so good. I was just like, yes, it's a hell yes, working with this client. And then when I went back, I had a meeting the next day to go through it with, with um, kind of a colleague to go through all of my pipeline of all the clients that they had lined up for me. And I just saw some names in it and I was like, just not interested. I'm I'm not excited to work with these people. So it was from that conversation I said, look, I just don't think I'm the right consultant for this particular company. I don't think it's going to work. And he was like, you know, I kind of got that impression. So I could have done what I always do, which is like pleaser. I'll just take them on. Yeah, okay. No, you've sent them my way. Okay, I'll work with them. And it just it wasn't going to work because we just didn't gel. We don't see the world in the same way. And it was that meeting that made me realize, you know. They're a hell yes, but that guy was a hell no. So that was like my my real highlight and my big breakthrough. What about you? What was your biggest low? What was your low? What was my low? What was my low? It's interesting. I like, I had such a good week. I, 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 it's funny. I, I tend to remember the positives because I always do it before bed. I'm always like, what am I grateful for as I go to fall asleep? I think... Oh, do you know what? My biggest low was my son has been sick during the week. And um, so Enzo, he had a real bad night and he was coughing a lot. And he was the next morning he woke up and he was obviously knackered because he hadn't slept that well. And I was knackered as well, because every time he had a coughing fit, I woke up and I was waking up to pee and all this kind of stuff. And he just Enzo was like he was just crying like he was just on the stairs and he was like you know when they're kind of like whining and like just and I I, it was because I'd taken his dodo away from him because I was like you can't have it like dodos for nighttime you know this is one of the rules that that we have (laughs) I took it off him but he was like sitting on the stairs and he was like "Ah," and he was just wailing and I in just in my brain in that moment I went he's just being so annoying over that fucking dodo (laughs) And I shouted at him. I went, Enzo, like, what is wrong? Would you stop? And Stephen went, yeah, he's had the worst night's sleep. And I went, oh, my God, this has nothing to do with the dodo. Like, he's knackered. And I'm shouting at him. So I went over and I gave, I picked him up and he was like, cuddle, cuddle. And like, I gave him a, and he cuddled into me. And I, I just felt like a piece of shit in that moment because I was like, you just let your temper get ahead of you. And it's like, that was a moment when he needed me. And I pulled, you know, I, I I berated him, you know, which just made me feel really shit. So that was, that was, but then we had a lovely cuddle after it. So that was like another high. So. Oh, well, you're like, you're human. It happens, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. It, it does. And, uh, you know, I never thought I'd lose my temper at a two-year-old, but apparently I do. And it's not the first time. What about you? So I think my biggest high this week was, as you know, I'm running like my first all women like group coaching. Um, oh, yes. They're all doing mental fitness training. And on the call this week, it was just so amazing to hear every single one of the women having these like incredible breakthroughs and just shifts yeah. in their life. And I was just like, this is my job. Like, I'm getting paid for this. It was just such a moment of realization that, you know, this 
I've been journaling for years, well, for like a couple of years about just wanting to have a job that I love. Yeah. You have a job that you love, like this is so good. So that was, that was a real high. And I think that my insight this week was about like that, what is enough? Yeah. You know, and that setting, you know, why, why do I follow this kind of like, disciplined planning process and it's it's so that I have those boundaries around when I've hit that enough yeah yeah and I can be in my actual life so that was such a big insight for me to read that towards the end of the week having had that kind of realization that I'd hit all my targets um the low for me this week was that I am on my period and my hormones got the better of me and I was having an argument with my husband earlier in the week where when I reflected on it after, negative emotions are contagious. Yeah. And so are positive emotions. And there's so much. I mean, I, you hear people talking about it all the time about the mirror neurons that we all have yeah. that are what they're effectively doing is they are catching emotions of other people. Yeah. Also, they are uh, projecting emotions onto other people. And I think one of the things that I was just frustrated with about myself was that I I have this habit of like when my husband is in a bad mood or he is and he, you know, which we all get in bad moods sometimes, I have to get involved in it. I yeah. have to make it about me. Do you know what I mean? I can't just leave him and let him be and in a bad mood. let him mood. wallow. Sometimes you need to waddle in waddle wallow in your bad mood. But also it's like I get in there and I mm. poke him. You know, and I I go like, why are you why are you in a bad mood? Why are you in a bad mood? Why are you in a bad mood? Anyway, I did that and I just was frustrated with myself because I thought, what happened in that situation? We got in an argument because I caught his negative emotion. Yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah. you know, I just I want to stop catching negative emotions and I want to mm-hmm. start doing more, you know radiating empathy and like love when people mm. need it yeah not like judging them because they Completely. are not in a position to give it yeah that's a really really it's it's a way of turning a low into a high because it's like that's the huge breakthrough from it <laughs> I'm like but I've had this learning quite a lot so it's like this that's why I'm that's why it's a low for me because it's like this is such a slow learn you know yeah oh my god it's like me and my anger it's like you know I, because I have a temper and it every time I lose my temper, I'm like, I can't believe we're here again, Pia. It never serves me. <laughs> so it's the same thing. It's just catching it. Totally. And I think that that is a great place for us to end today because mm. this podcast is all is going to be all about the lessons that we're going to be learning over and over again, yeah. because yeah. it's a lifelong practice and we just have to keep showing up for ourselves and getting a little bit better every day. So thank you so much to everybody who joined us today for our first episode. Thank you so much for joining us. If anything we talked about today resonated and you know a woman who needs to hear this too, please send her the episode and help us keep the movement going because women helping women only makes us stronger. To stay up to date on our latest episodes and the guests joining us, follow the She's Electric podcast on LinkedIn and Instagram. The music is Teenage Songbird by Forte, used with permission from the artist. We hope to see you again soon.